start a new uh, Sunday School series entitled uh, Ten Principles for Biblical Living. It's actually out of a book I read some years ago. That's the title of the book, Ten Principles for Biblical Living. It was written by a uh, long-term missionary to Japan, well-known in uh, Baptist, independent Baptist circles, Don Sisk. And he's still active in the ministry, lives in California, and is involved uh, with a very large church there on staff. But um, it was a helpful book to me. Years ago I read it, and um, there's just simple principles that he laid out in this book. And uh, so I've, I've, they're very short chapters. I, I just used um, some of the basic outlines and then put a lesson together around uh, his his outline. Um, it was more like a devotional, and so I kind of expanded upon that. But we're going to start this morning with a lesson entitled, Be All That You Are, Wherever You Are. And I guess I could have added, Whoever You Are, because um, that's what the Lord has for us. But let's, have, let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll kind of get into this today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful as always, Lord, for your goodness to us, and we're thankful for your mercy and for your grace. We ask that you'd bless now our day here today, be with the Sunday school hour, our adult Bible study, and then the teen class downstairs, the other Sunday school classes that are taking place. Just bless the efforts this morning, be with both the teachers and the students, open our hearts, Lord, to the wooing of your Holy Spirit, and we pray for the morning worship service to follow the junior church hour. We just pray your blessing upon this day that we leave this place sensing that you've accomplished your purpose uh, for us being here today. Thank you, Lord, so much for loving us. And again, as always, Lord, we're thankful for your mercy and for your grace, for your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray all of these things. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter number four, and beginning in verse nine, the Bible says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to, both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Well, that's a great verse. If you never memorized verse 13, that's a verse to, to memorize. Uh, memorize as much of the Bible as you can, but... That's an easy verse to memorize. And, um, uh, you know, the Bible says that uh, David said, Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against God. The more he, the scripture that you memorize, I've always believed, the more that the Holy Spirit can use that to speak to your heart and, and touch your heart. But uh, Philippians chapter 4, I, it's my favorite of all of Paul's epistles because it's just a, a great book of, of the joy of the Lord and the thanksgiving of God. Um, but this morning, I want to kind of take this text and use it as a foundation to this principle, be all, be all that you are, wherever you are. Um, you know, in John chapter 10, 
in verse 10, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundant. And just a full life, a fulfilling life as you walk here in this world. And um, that's the Lord's real desire for your life and, and for my life. But let me ask you this question. I'm not asking for an answer per se. Um, I'm kind of just now just asking you for you to think about this. What is it or what would it take for you to be satisfied or for you to be content? Or, or let me ask you this question. What is it that people in the world look for uh, that they want, that they think will bring satisfaction or they think will bring uh, contentment or happiness in their lives. What are just some basic things that people uh, look for? Yes. Huh? Yeah, drugs. Drugs, they usually they start you out happy and leave you miserable. Yeah? Yes? Money. People think that money is going to be the answer and that will bring them happiness. What else? Yes? Material things. Yeah, material things. What else? Yes. Better health. Better health. Well, certainly better health does bring you happiness <laughs> and uh, uh, good health, but lasting happiness, but you're right. And so that's why people go to the gym, right? And work out and stay in shape and because it does make you feel better. I mean, let's, there are some things that make you happy. I guess I should have said this. There are things that can bring contentment and happiness but some of those things, they're fleeting. They only last so long. What else? So those are some good things. Yes. Relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Good. What else? Yes. Knowledge. Yeah. Peace within itself. Well, that's what people are looking for, right? A peace within. And so i got to move this because the sun is bothering me. Uh, peace within. That's, that's kind of what this lesson is about. Where do we find peace within? That's, what, that's really what people are searching for um, in, in the world in which we live. Um, but things like that, sure. Relationships, new house, people, people find or a new car. People get happy when they buy a new car, and that only lasts so long, right? Um, a new job. That only lasts so long. But um, look, look uh, on our handout here. Um, Isaiah chapter 55 and verses uh, 1 through 2. <clears throat> Isaiah said this, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And of course, the thirsting there isn't necessarily a physical thirsting. It's a thirsting for what are the, th the things that we've been talking about. Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters that hath no money. Come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Now when you read through not only the book of Isaiah, but Many places in the Old Testament, you find the, the Israelites were looking for happiness and satisfaction. And sometimes they would turn to the Lord, and sometimes they would turn away from the Lord. 
And it was when they would turn away from the Lord that they would find themselves in, in desperate times. Yes? It's right on your handout. Isaiah 55, 1 through 2. Is that on your handout? Oh, I'll probably just put it on my own notes. Sure. Let me make sure I gave you the right Sunday school lesson. <laughs> I didn't give that to you. I'm sorry. My bad. I have that on my notes. It's Isaiah. Well, just go ahead and turn there then. Isaiah 55. When I put my lessons together, when I, if it's not on yours, it's in red on mine. And I don't know why I must not have put that in red on mine. Isaiah chapter 55. But in the beginning, if we had time, in the beginning of the book of Isaiah, you see Isaiah um, being used of the Lord to, to talk to the Jewish people at that time. They were very into um, their clothing. They were very into presenting themselves uh, fashionably. And um, you see the same in Jeremiah with regards to worship. And they were going to the temple, but a lot of it was just empty. It was just formality. But here it is, Isaiah 55. Let's read it again. So the Bible says, Call everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. And then look at verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. And so God is using Isaiah to call the people to a relationship with him. And um, to be mindful of the fact that there are many things in this world that bring happiness and contentment, but they're fleeting. The book of Ecclesiastes is about that. Solomon had all the money that you could ever imagine. And he had, he got, if you read through Ecclesiastes, he spent time and, and, and collected artwork. And then he built great gardens and he found contentment in that. And then he got into architecture. He built great buildings and, um, and cities. And he got into all of that. And then he spent all kinds of time amusing himself with uh, wine and music and merriment. And, um, and, and just Solomon is a kind of a picture of someone who could do anything that he wanted to do. Um, and again, if we could turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, this is not on your handout either. At the very end of that, this is what Solomon says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, after I've done all of these things and they brought me temporary happiness. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here's what I've come to, here's what I've come to understand in life, he says. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. 
If you're a student of the Bible and you've read through the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a word in Ecclesiastes that you'll find over and over and over again. And I'll give you a hint. And somebody can tell me what it is. The word begins with a V. What is it? No, that word isn't in there. Vanity. Vanity. All these things are vanity and vanity. They bring temporary happiness and temporary contentment. But if you're basing your life on them, it's just vanity. It's all going to be gone one day. And um, that's, that's so true. Now, Philippians, again, um, one of the reasons that I just love the book of Philippians, again, it's my favorite, it's my favorite uh, epistle of the Apostle Paul, is, as I've already said, at least 19 times in the book of Philippians, if you read through it, You'll find the words joy, you'll find the words gladness, you'll find the words rejoicing. And um, it's just a book that you can read. If, listen, if you're going through a tough time, um, read through the book of Philippians. It's, it'll, it'll uplift you. Um, it's like living above the clouds. And I was reminded of this when I flew uh, to Florida, and I'm reminded of this many times when I fly. If you've ever, when I ever you fly, if you fly out on a bad day, um, I really use this example at my stepfather's when I preached his funeral many, many years ago. Shelley and I left for um, Tennessee, and uh, it was um, cold here in Albany and windy, uh, just damp, just a really bad day. And so we got on the plane, and um, we're heading out. We're going through a grieving process because I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, I've always said that there are three men that God used in my life to influence me, my biological dad and my stepdad and then my, my pastor. But my stepdad was a, a loved the Lord. We had great talks. He helped me in a lot of different areas in my Christian walk. And so we're going through that. So it's just, you know, if you've lost a loved one, you know, you're just feeling the loss. We, and then when you add to that, just the cloudy weather and the gloominess. But we took off, and I'm thinking about the funeral that I have to preach, and we weren't probably out of Albany for a half an hour. And then if you've ever flown this way, all of a sudden the plane takes you up and above all the weather. And it's clear blue sky, and the sun is out. And I've always thought about that with our walk with the Lord. Whatever we're going through, how cloudy it may seem or may not seem, uh, the Lord always wants us to live above the clouds. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? To live above the clouds. And that is, we're capable of that as we walk with the Lord. So be careful of the joy stealers circumstances. In fact, I think I have just some lines. I'll ask you some of these things too. What are things in life that are joy stealers? What are some things that can steal your joy? We've talked about some things that people try to base their happiness and contentment on, but what, and some of these may kind of dovetail, but what are, what are some things in life that steal, uh, that either your flesh or Satan will try to steal the joy out of your walk with the Lord? Sin. Well, sin, absolutely. 
you know, David said, the Lord, rest- uh, when he was finally confronted by uh, the prophet Nathan uh, with regards to him and Bathsheba, he said in his prayer of contrition in Psalm 51, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So certainly sin and all different types of sin. What else? Yes. Comparison. Comparison. What do you mean by that? That's good. Yeah. Well, even if you're trying to do like godly and you're like, well, God used Billy Graham or someone like that and he's not using me like that. Why? And it might be, um, kind of be like, oh, I'm not as good of a Christian or I'm not as good of a person because God isn't using me in Okay, sure. That's that's one way comparisons can rob your joy. What else? Use st- sticking on the theme of comparisons. What else? Worry. Worry. That's yeah. That's a whole different one. But worry. In fact, in, in Philippians, Paul would write in chapter four. If you're still there, if you're if you're back in Philippians chapter four, he would write this in verse six. Be careful for nothing. The word careful there it means to worry or to be anxious. Don't be, don't be anxious. How many of you don't worry? <laughs> we all worry. It's how you deal with the worry. But go back to the comparisons. So Mike was talking about spiritual comparison. And if you didn't hear what he said, was he said, well, how come God, you know, you see, you see someone else, God using them in this way, and it seems like God's doing such, such, such a work through them, and it doesn't seem like God is using me. You'd be surprised how many pastors think that way. How come he has, how come he's running 150 people and, and I'm running 50 people? How come he's running 300 people and I'm only running? You'd be surprised that that creeps into pastoral thinking. What else? What other things do people compare themselves and it robs, it robs your, your joy and your Your grades? All right. I wouldn't have thought of that one yet because I was never a great student. I was just glad to pass. <laughs> what else? How about some of the things you've already mentioned? Like so-and-so's got a car, new car and I don't have a new car. So-and-so moved into a house and I don't have a house. So-and-so has this and so-and-so has that. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So these are some, some things. Circumstances. How about people? People can rob your joy. Dealing with people. You know, it was the old, there's the saying, if you've probably heard this before, it's hard to soar like an eagle when I'm surrounded by turkeys. And uh, so it's people. People. What else? Anything else? All right. Well, look at, let's look again here in the book of Philippians at some things. So not only is Philippians filled with the words of joy and gladness and rejoicing, but you find this also in the book of Philippians. For instance, you find the word mind, like let this mind be in you, mind. The word mind or, or mindful uh, some ten times. Just give you, give you a couple of examples. So if, uh, go to chapter 1 of Philippians. Chapter 1 and um, look at verse number 27. Chapter 1 and verse 27. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together 
for the faith of the gospel. And then look at chapter 2, look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then chapter 3, and look at verse number 15. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And then chapter 4 and verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It all has to do with thinking and how you think and where your thinking is at. Uh, be, mindful, be mindful of that. In fact, the word think is found uh, several, I think five times in the book of Philippians. So the word mind ten times, the word think five times. For instance, chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Or, for instance, in chapter 2, in verse number 5, we, we already saw that. Let this mind be in you, which was also... No, there was another, there was another think. I forgot to write that down. We already said that one. So the, the whole idea of think and mind and mindful and getting your focus on the things of God. So three simple points to, to this lesson. Point number one on your handout. Listen, learn, and I use that word learn because that's what Paul said. Look what he said, look what he said in verse number um, 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. And I think Paul is probably writing this close to 30 years after he, he, knew, he became a Christian. So there's a learning experience in all of our lives. We continue to learn and to grow in the things of God and to be reminded of the things of God from the time we get saved until the time we stand before the Lord. It's always a learning process. So these things he has learned. I have learned in whatsoever state I am there to be content. Be content with where God has placed you. Not just where you're living, but your occupation. What is your situation? Think of examples in the Bible of men and women who found themselves sometimes not in the greatest situation or not in the, under the greatest circumstances or not living in the greatest places, but there was a contentment. I have this example on your Bible, on your handout for you, is Daniel chapter 5 and verse 12. Now, before we look at it, most of you know this, but for some that might not, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were snatched out of Israel. They were taken to, um, they were taken to um, oh, Babylon. Thank you, my mind just went blank. Uh, they were taken to Babylon. They were, they, they were, um, then taken and put it into, under the realm of Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, they went through different experiences there. Uh, and so they're captive. They were pulled out of their homes, probably away from their family, under the authority now of a very ungodly regime. Well, this is a little bit later on in Daniel's life. Because at this particular time, Nebuchadnezzar has passed from the scene, and Belteshazzar is the king. And this is the account of the handwriting on the wall. And everybody wants to know, what does the handwriting on the wall say? There's this huge party that's going on. And there's all of these Babylonians there, and they're looking for peace and contentment 
and happiness through, this, through partying and this big bash that's taking place. And then all of a sudden, on the wall is this handwriting. And they want to know, what does it mean? What does it say? And so Belteshazzar doesn't know, but his mother knows who to ask. And so these are the words of his mother. She remembers Daniel, and look what she says of him. For as much as he, meaning Daniel, has an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding and in the interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Well, that was Daniel's reputation. A man who had been taken from home, a man who had faced many difficulties in and under captivity, but he was a man of an excellent spirit. He was content with where he ended up. Be content with where you end up. What are some other examples in the Bible? Somebody from the Old Testament, I'm thinking of a couple, who learned to be content in, the, in their situations. Joseph, thrown into the pit because of the jealousy of his brothers. Then he was sold to Potiphar. Then he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Then he's thrown in prison. Uh, then he, he deals with all of that. And in each of those instances, you find he was a man that had an excellent spirit. And then he's second in command of all of Egypt. And God just used him through all of that. The only way you can have an excellent spirit through all of that is to stay close to the Lord. What about somebody else in the Old Testament? David. David was hunted down by Saul. And... Um, but David, uh, in many, David had an excellent spirit about him. God said of David, he was a man after his own heart. And yet still David, we mentioned earlier, got away from the Lord. when He took his eyes off of God and he put his eyes on Bathsheba. What about somebody in the New Testament? A situation where they were just were... I was thinking of this earlier in the book of, uh, in the book of Acts. Paul is, and Silas are arrested, they're thrown into prison. And the Bible says, at midnight, they were in prison singing hymns. They just learned to be content. Yes? He is. It's a prison epistle. Paul is writing this. All of these things about joy and happiness, uh, he's writing them. So be content. Be content with, with where God has placed you. Um, and be mindful of that. Um, be content on the back of your handout, with those people that God has placed in your life. Be content with those people that God has placed in your life. Look what Paul again said here in, in verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But look what he says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. He's commending them, um, and he is so thankful for the people that God had brought into his life, uh, and they cared about him. In fact, down in verse 15, 
Look what it says. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. He was thankful for the people there in his life. They had helped him as he went on his missionary journeys. And then it says, when he was in Thessalonica and he was establishing a church there, he said to the church in Philippi, you sent once and again unto my necessity. And then he said, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit to your account. He was just thankful that they cared about him and he cared about them. But learn to be content with those people God has placed in your life. Sometimes that's not always easy. Look, on your hand up, Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says this, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. It's just encouraging us to be content with those people that God has placed in our life. God's placed them there for a reason. Even though sometimes somebody might just feel as if they're a thorn in your side, but God has placed them there. He's placed them there for a reason. And if you're around people going through a difficult, or, or they're giving you a difficult time, or you're having a hard time figuring out why they feel the way that they do, this isn't on your handout, but remember this. I've said this different ways in different sermons. Try to learn to enter into each other's circumstances in order to see how you would feel yourself. You know, what is somebody going through? Try to enter into their circumstance. Yes. Yeah, if you couldn't hear in the back is the air conditioning. He says, be careful of what you say, because what you say makes a big difference in how you say it. This was kind of brought up on Wednesday night, and Pastor Ethan was teaching on that. And even sharing the gospel, I, I, I chimed in Wednesday and gave an example of a man who I have came into contact with probably over 20 years ago, who's a Wiccan priest. And I would witness to him. His name is Jim. And we would have dialogues back and forth. And, um, and I mentioned that probably one of the last times I spoke with Jim, he, the Wiccans, at least his form of Wiccan belief, uh, believes that everyone goes to a place called Summerland when they die. And, uh, and so Jim was telling me about that, and um, so here's another thing, not only what you say, but how you listen. So I wanted to find out where he was coming from. And so we talked about that, and then Jim, because I was polite, allowed me to share the gospel with him, and, um, and he understood completely what I was saying. And so in the end, I left Jim with this, um, Jim, I said, if if what you're saying is true, 
then really, if we're all going to Summerland, I said, then I've got nothing to worry about. But Jim, if what I'm saying is true, and before I can even finish, because I told him, Jim, if without Christ, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. I, so I said, Jim, if what I'm saying is true, and I, again, he finished for me. Then he said, I've got a problem or I'm in trouble. I said, yeah, you need to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, we, I, I said that to Jim, too. I said, it's going to be in Summerland, Jim, and it's going to be hot. But, we, but, we, but you know what? I had seen Jim, and we had, had built a relationship. So I was able to say that. And he laughed, you know, when I said that. Actually, he was a neighbor of Micah. Um, Micah met him, invited him to church. And Micah told me, oh, yeah, I met Jim. Yeah, he said he's a Wiccan priest. So, um, yeah, what you say? So... Just learn to deal with people that are around you. Listen, listen to what Peter says. This is not on your handout. Peter said this, 1 Peter 3.8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, and be courteous. 1 Peter 3.8, 1 Peter chapter 3 is a great chapter. Uh, the previous verses are dealing with the relationships between husbands and and wives. And then Peter kind of sums it up with, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. So be content with the spouse, the husband or the wife that God has given you. And to be content. You know why the divorce rate is so high in, in the United States? is because people are always looking for something different. And um, in many ways, our culture pushes that. Be content with those people God has placed in your life. Paul said to the weak, I became weak that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And then lastly, because we're almost out of time, be content with whatever God gives you or whatever God doesn't give you. Be content with that. Someone said this, that that the bondage of debt is a great slave master. People that are in debt. Be careful that you don't allow yourself to get into debt. It's easy to do. Especially young people, be careful of credit cards. Credit cards are one of the quickest ways to get into debt. Here's a simple rule. If you can't pay off your credit card at the end of the month, then don't use it. Because the I don't even know what the, I got a ballpark figure. The average credit card, I think the interest rates are well over 20%. So it's unbelievable how easy it is to get into debt. And uh, I, I read an article that said uh, about a week or two ago, I read this article that I said, in America, there is somewhere around $3 billion in, out, in outstanding credit. I mean, the American people owe about $3 billion, whether it's credit cards or... Now, sometimes you, you obviously, if you buy a house, you take out a mortgage, if you buy a car, um, but don't buy a car that you can't afford to pay for either. You know, some people go out and they buy a car and the car payment is so high that they're like a slave to their car. So be careful, but be content with what God does or God doesn't give you. 
Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, but godliness that's on your hand out with contentment is great gain. I was just, um, and then he said, for we brought nothing into this world certainly and carried no, nothing out. So about a month ago, I went to see my brother. He was supposed to have surgery and uh, got canceled, but he really asked me to come and spend a week with him anyhow. He lives in Cedar Key, Florida. So if you're watching any of the weather this past week and the hurricane that hit Florida, uh, Cedar Key was all over the news. Cedar Key, Florida is a town of about 700 people. It's a, it, it, it was a quaint little town right on the Gulf of, of uh, Florida. It's, you go due west from Gainesville. And um, it's mostly, a, it's more of a um, fishing village and uh, People go there to watch, for bird watching. There's bird sanctuaries. It's actually the largest um, producer of clams in the United States. People rent acres and acres of the ocean, and uh, they call it aquaculture, where they plant the clams, and then you harvest the clams and oysters as well. And so, and then there are, there's a lot of military that retired there. Beautiful homes on the island, and in a matter of about 12 hours, the entire village of Cedar Key. My brother lives about two miles out of the village. And fortunately for him, his house is on stilts like many of the newer homes. Um, and he had minimal damage. But the entire village had eight to nine feet of water in the homes. They're wrecked. They're ruined. And um, some of those homes will have to be torn down and uh, rebuilt. So, in a matter of just an instance, everything can be taken away. That's why we're reminded in the Bible to make sure that we don't, we don't put our, uh, base our contentment on, on what we have. Paul said, having food and raiment, let us, there with, uh, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall in temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts with drowned men in destruction and perdition. Listen, there's certainly nothing wrong with having a nice home and, and working hard and enjoying the fruit of our labor. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's all in the perspective of, is that the center of your life or is Jesus the center of your life? Mark chapter 8, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? Luke chapter 12, it's the parable of the man who uh, looked out and he was just very wealthy. And he said, you know what? He said, I'm just going to build more barns and to put more of my stuff in. And he built more barns. And then the Bible says, the Lord said, thou fool. This is the last day you have here on earth. You've, you've, your whole life has been built upon building barns and accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. But be content with what God has given you. There's nothing wrong with working hard and, and, and advancing yourself. I think, I think actually that, that, that being industrious, but don't make that the center of your life. So what is the center? Well, look at the last verse on your handout, Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. 
Be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Our contentment isn't in a place. It's not in the people around us. It's not in our possessions. Although all of those things have to be kept in the right perspective. But it's in a person. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul would say, well, where, do you, where was it? Look, at, look go back to... Um, look at chapter 3. We'll finish with this. Here was Paul. Here was a man who did have all of those things, and he did emphasize all of that in his life at one time. Uh, and then God, God saved him. But he, look what he says in verse 8 of chapter 3. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which God which is of God by faith. So I just finished with that. So yeah, work hard. I, I live comfortably. In fact, enjoy the fruit of your labors, but just make sure that Jesus is at the center of, of all of that, that none of that is distracting you from serving the Lord. Because all the other things, they bring temporal happiness Jesus brings eternal happiness, contentment, and fulfillment. Be all that you are, wherever you are. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you'd bless the morning worship service to follow. Be with Pastor Ethan as he preaches. Lord, help us to just take these simple truths and be mindful of them. And that you do desire, as Jesus said in John chapter 10, that we live an abundant life and um, a fulfilling life. And whoever we are, whatever you've called us to do in life, whoever is around us, whatever we own, wherever our efforts are placed, let's do it with you at the center of all of it. And let it bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.